Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast, episode 1090. This is my conversation with John O'Bacon for the second time, and we're discussing how to cultivate communities. I hope you enjoy. John, welcome to the Hidden Why podcast for the second time in a number of years. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, really well. Really well. Yourself? Good. Could not be happier. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, man, I was just um, looking back here. Um, Episode 855 back in 23, November 23, 2019. I know, it's a while back, right? A while back. And we were talking about about People Powered, your book that you launched and the value of community um, at that stage. And um, yeah, lots changed since then, I suppose, huh? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, kind of both professionally and just the art and the science of building communities, a lot has adjusted. I mean, for me, it's went from kind of consulting to kind of running more of an accelerator, like a group accelerator, but especially with community building, you know, when you, when, when the world has to stay inside for a significant period of time, it changes how we get together online. Right. So like, you know, a lot of online events, people just got sick of them. And I think we were pretty unimaginative when it came to a lot of online engagement pre pandemic. Um, And I think, one of the small upsides of the pandemic is it's forced everyone to get a lot more creative. So there's been yeah. a lot more innovation going on in community building. Yeah, certainly I've seen um, the enhancement of of everything digitally, like Zoom and, and having these conversations and things. It just became more common and, and yeah. usual, I suppose, like many people were used to it and are used to it now um, and, and have incorporated that into their businesses on a larger scale. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of going back yeah. to, you know, the the traditional ways i suppose it was done um maybe you know because it it has its time and place the um the digital media but um what what did you because so you were running your business doing a lot of consulting and then that was um just after our interview covid hit really um how did you feel that impacted your business there well i was around the beginning of covid um and it wasn't really anything to do with COVID. I was starting to get a little bit bored with consulting um, because, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a consultant, you have you have influence, but you have no real power. And um, you know, when you one of the things it took me too long to realize is that as a consultant, you don't create the value. Your client creates the value. Like if I, you know, if you said to me, "Hey, Jono, what should I do to build you know a community in in, in this specific area?" What I give you is a set of words and maybe written recommendations, but they don't mean anything unless you actually internalize them and do something with them. So really like the clients provide the value and and that's all about finding the right kind of clients and making sure that you're helping people in the right kind of way. And I was, you know, the, it, it became a little bit repetitive and I, I was enjoying it, but you know, I had a good problem now, which was I was always fully booked. Uh, I never did any marketing or advertising. It was all word of mouth. But it was, it tended to be the same playbook over and over again. So to deal with like a lot of inbound, I put my prices up and then I found myself just working with like larger companies who could afford the rates. So I wanted to kind of like increase the impact that I was having um, in the world. And I love working with earlier stage companies as well, but also yeah. obviously making some some good money with the, with the business. So, you know, I, I went through this kind of like period of experimentation for basically three years. You know, the first step was, pre-recorded training courses, which was just not the right choice. Um, it was kind of unfulfilling. 
the business model didn't really work because what I do is relatively niche. Um, and then I kind of landed on, um, I experimented a little bit last year with group coaching where I did some like, like, like basically built a training course where I taught people how to build a community in 10 weeks. Um, and I did it live in Zoom. And I was blown away, not just by the response, but mainly by the value that people got from doing it together, from spending time with each other, which honestly, in my line of work, I should have realized this, but I didn't. So I, mm. you know, this the, the final, I hired a business coach, like, coach last year for the first time. And I was telling him about how, you know, the first kind of group coaching thing went well. And I was, I was, I was the second one was scheduled in. He said, that sounds great. You should shut that down. And he was basically, his point was like, you've, you've run a successful con consulting business. The challenge with a group coaching 10 week thing is that you got to drive a lot of inbound traffic to make that work. He said, you should just build an accelerator and scale out your consulting in a, in a, in a, in a group setting. And that's how I landed on the community leadership call. So. Okay. So tell us how that works. How the, how the accelerator works. Yeah. So the goal of it is, you know, most companies, they tend to struggle with building community engagement and growth. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. and, uh, they, they hire a staff member or more, more than one staff member. And a lot of people who manage those staff community and developer relations staff, for example, are not really sure how to su support them because a lot of those managers mm. aren't sure how to build a community, but they know it's important. So people sign up to the community leadership core for a year. And then what I do is at the beginning of every quarter, um, I basically help them to create a roadmap for the quarter. Um, so we map out really crisp set of things for them to focus on. And then I weave into that one-on-one -on -one coaching from me, as well as a whole raft of training that I've built out. And then we get together as a group um, for what we call huddles every couple of weeks, where we teach each other, uh, people provide, you know, we'll, we'll run, you know, share a piece of work that they're working on and get feedback from other folks. Um, um, and the whole thing is about accountability that we get to the end of every quarter and you can say, okay, well, this is what I accomplished, but also these were the things that we didn't get to. Like, you know, we didn't deliver on these pieces. Let's, let's peel that back and explore the reasons why. So there's a large chunk of not just tactics and strategy, but also just kind of coaching and really figuring out those first principles around why things didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And that's, um, that's been up and running for a year now so. No, I like oh. I, so what I did was I basically announced it in January this year oh, okay. and then, and then we, and then we kicked off in, um, in March and my goal was get 10 companies in, uh, which I had no idea what was interesting. I'd never sold anything before. Right. So I had to learn how to sell this and selling something that you haven't launched yet was kind of interesting. Mm. Uh, so the goal was get 10 companies in, uh, and then just start like rapid product iteration, like really figuring out how people are using it and what they're not using and what's not working well. And so it's been a rapid period of iteration. So it's been about five months so far. So Okay. What were the challenges you found um, with launching? And you said, you know, challenges with that sales side of things. Any learnings there that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, one was just like completely getting in my own head about selling. Like I assumed that selling was this like magical art form that people with plastic hair and nice suits are proficient in. Um, and what I didn't realize is that good sales is really about building a relationship with a prospect and genuinely helping them to solve problems. Um, yeah. So, you know, I did what I always do when I, when I don't know how to do something, I hired a coach to bring them in and I read a ton of books and went down the rabbit hole and, you know, and just started learning a lot about how to do that. But I did that after I'd filled my first 10 seats, because it was, I, I kind of got to the end of the 10, you know, got my first 10 companies in. And I realized at that point, like, I just, 
I suck at this. So I, I really need to improve on that. Um, but what was also a learning was I sold it completely incorrectly. Like I was selling the features, but I wasn't really selling the benefits. Um, mm -hmm. cause I hadn't really fixed up my messaging around that at that point. Um, and I've learned a huge amount, um, since then about like really delving into what your audience really wants and then how to present that in a crisp way. Uh, and I'd, I'd assume that, you know, I had to show them all these many things that are part of the community leadership core, that that's what they were interested in. Whereas in reality, that was not the case. They were interested in, you know, fundamentally, is this going to help me with my engagement growth and help me to show consistent results every quarter? So Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, you're working with um, businesses, uh, uh, management, I suppose, around creating better communities within their businesses or organizations. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like a typical, a typical company for me is uh, an earliest, it's not always this, but an earlier stage company that's got a product or a service out there. Let's say they've got like a, a SaaS platform um, and they see their competitors. They see other people who've got like this thriving community of people who are providing support and creating content and making videos and promoting their product and they want that for themselves. Um, mm. But it's a really unintuitive thing for most people to figure out because like when you think of like getting people to know about your product, you think of marketing, which is like webinars and ads and stuff like that. But this is really about building kind of a nurtured experience where someone stumbles across you and then bit by bit, you keep solving their problems and adding value to them. And then at some point they become a customer um, and then you continue nurturing them. I go through three phases, casual, regular, and core. Like casual is where you start out and these people show up very infrequently to your community. And we get them to regular, which is where they are showing up every week. They're deriving a lot of value. But then, then because of reciprocity, they want to create value in your community. They want to kind of pay it forward or pay it back, if you will. And then a small mm. number of people, about one in every 100 people, tends to become core, which is like your super nerds. Those are the people you usually hire. Um, so... Most companies that I've ever met, they they intrinsically see the value of that and they care about it. But they're like, how on earth, like, where do I start? How do I even hire the right people for this? And there's been a little bit of nervousness, especially in the tech world, where you know, horror stories have been shared within founders where they say, I hired someone for a year and they didn't really deliver anything for me. And I don't want that to happen for me again. And yeah. sometimes that's in part because of the community manager or the evangelist didn't do a good job. But in many cases, it's because the accountability was not laid into the company because the managers are like, I don't know how to manage this person. What should, I, what should I expect in a month? So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to design this, not just around education, was around accountability as well. Yeah, right. Okay. So talk about communities um, for a business of service, creating a, a community out there to get more engagement um, from your particular audience. Is it best to do that through digital or actual live events like what, what's what's happening nowadays i mean since covid you probably saw a bit of a transition too yeah so nine times out of ten when people do this work and it doesn't work out well um there's a few key reasons why and i'll mm -hmm. start there first of all. one of the key yeah. reasons is that they haven't dialed their audience in so a lot of people when they think of building communities they think of like blogging and going on podcasts and social media and setting up Discord channels and forums and all that kind of stuff. 
step number one is like, who is your audience? And most importantly, what sucks about their life? Like, what are those pain points? Because when you can create really simple, quick wins that are wrapped to, up in a, in a story format, because stories are a good vessel for how we understand things. When you can start solving those problems with quick wins, you start building association of value and your brand, right? So I always recommend people start there, like just start with quick wins. And that can manifest in lots of different ways. It can be emails that you send to people. It can be videos. It can be um, live streams, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's providing a, a quick solution to a potential client. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, let's say, for example, let's say you're a company um, that's got a CRM platform, right? Mm. Um, who is their audience? Well, their audience is going to be business owners and executives. And what are their pain points? They're not selling enough. Uh, they've got a million different tools and they're trying to figure out how to integrate them. Um, their team members are not delivering value for them, right? Um they can't figure out how to achieve an automation. Those are the kind of things that people tend to struggle with. So show quick wins for all of those different areas. As a general rule, I found that you need about five to 10 touch points of somebody, of you solving someone's problem. And before they start thinking to themselves, wow, this company is different. They understand me. They're not just trying to flog me a product and get me to use it. They understand what I'm actually trying to get out of this. Because too mm. many companies, you know, they're of the view of like, oh, everything's got to be about our product. Everything's got to be about us. But that's too inward facing. But when, like, when you find a company and you feel like they really understand you and your world, you think differently about them. Because most people, when they build a community, they say, go and check out our forum or go and check out our Discord channel. But the problem that happens consistently, and you might have experienced this, Lee, is that someone goes into that community, they see all these people they don't know, people asking questions that they don't care about, all this noise, and then they just tap out, and they're like, "Nope, not going back there." You get they get the system shock. Whereas if you have already had lots of these little touch points where this company is solving problems via content, if you then go to that community um, and you see all that noise, because you've already had a good experience, you're much more likely to wade through that noise and get started than if you didn't have that. So yeah. that's why. You know, a lot of people like when they, a lot of companies, when they want to build a community, they immediately jump to Discord and forums and things like that. Whereas I would say to them, no, get the front end going first. And in many cases, especially for people who haven't hired a community manager or anything like that yet, email is one of the best ways to do it. Like as a tiny example, I have an email list. Um, and, you know, I basically send out these kinds of things like quick wins and, and solutions to pain uh, and problems for my audience. And my open and click rates are, well over double. And the reason why is because the email that I'm primarily sending out, like 90% of the email is about helping someone to solve a problem. It's very practical stuff. Whereas you probably experienced it. The amount of most email I get in, in my inbox from companies is just salesy, junky crap, right? So I switch those people off and, and I don't care about them. So when we invert that, that's then starts building that reciprocal relationship because then it's like, oh, wow, this company has helped me solve 10 different things. I should go and check them out. Or I'm going to go and tell my friends about them. They're really, they're, they're pretty cool. That's how we, that's how we make that shift. Okay. Yep. So use your current audience and then um, that'll drive more engagement to the community groups from there. Yeah. I mean, that gets people in, you know, the, the, yeah. the tricky thing at that point. So let's say, you know, you've already done some of that and then people come into your community platform. Let's say you've got a forum. They start out as regular members where, they show up intermittently, but there's no, they haven't created a habitual need in their head to go back to your community. 
So we need to give them a reason to go back. And the, and the reason, and the, I like to break it into three things. I call them hooks. So like the analogy here is Netflix. If you open up Netflix and it was the same five TV shows, you'd never go back. Um, the only reason why we open up Netflix, we don't care of the fact that it's Netflix. We care the fact that it's got the things that we are interested in, right? Yeah. So if you open up, if somebody goes to your community three times and it's just the same stuff, it's just people asking questions and getting help, then they won't go back. Whereas if they go back and there's fresh new material, then, they, then they, they're much more likely to go back. And that's where these three hooks come in. The first one is content, some content that continues to grow those skills and give them quick wins. The second is kicking off discussions. I call them conversation starters, um, which is where you encourage people to interact and engage. Um, and you cannot often generate like value from that. So for example, if you go into a community and say, hey, everyone, what's your favorite book? You might get 10 different book recommendations which might be very interesting. And that generates content. Oh, I'm going to go and check out three or four of these books. And then the third C is, is carrots. That's where you recognize and reward people for playing a role and participating. Um, and then that, what that does is that provides more meat on the bone to get people to go from being a reg, a, a casual member into being a regular. So. Okay. So talk like content, providing content that gives value to them. Um, discussion points of discussion. Uh, carrots, what, what sort of carrots are you talking about? Just like recognition? Hey, thanks for the comment sort of thing or? Yeah, I mean, I, so there's two types of rewards, right? There's there's intrinsic rewards and extrinsic and everybody immediately jumps to extrinsic. They think about swag and, you know, branded USB sticks and t-shirts and gift packs and stuff like that. I would not start there because uh, it's expensive, it's a pain in the ass to ship, all that kind of stuff. What's more interesting and what most people care about are the intrinsic rewards, which is recognition and validation. So I'll give you an example. Like if, if, if somebody who's listening to this or watching this has a community, they build a community, somebody comes in uh, and asks a question, and then another community member goes and provides like a, a nice detailed response with next steps. If the CEO of that company or the community leader drops the person who provided that response, just a one line email that just says, hey, thank you so much for answering that question. It's people like you that make this community really special. That one line that takes 10 seconds to send will mean the world to that person and give them a much more urgent re reason to come back because they feel seen, they feel heard. So there's loads of variations of how we do that. You know, you can recognize people within the community, you can recognize people on social media, you can invite them to events. You can offer to get on a call with them. One of the things I like to do is what I call the bat phone, which is where you set up an email address. These, these are for your very active community members. And that email address goes directly to all the executives. And you say to the execs, you have to respond within 24 hours when you get an email to the bat phone. Um, it's about recognition and validation. And then later on, you can add in the swag and stuff like that. Okay. That's a really valuable points in that uh, for sure. So for businesses or, or yeah, service providers. Uh, creating groups online. Do you find there's particular um, platforms that are better for some business than others, or are we are we still just using Facebook groups? Like, what's it's 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 a it's a big topic. As a general rule, what I say is um, go to the place where your audience is most likely to be. So, if you've got a community uh, or a business that's you know consumer products, let's say you're selling cleaning supplies, yeah. um, or you're selling you know. Um, you know, uh, mobile phone gimbals or something like that. 
a Facebook group is a great place to do it because there's so many people on Facebook. The downside of a Facebook group is you're living in somebody else's walled garden and that can change. Um, if we talk about executives, um, executives don't go to forums, right? So if you're talking to like a professional crowd, they often don't go to forums. So Slack channels are a good, a good choice there. And then if you talk into gamers or technical people and, and people like that, a lot of those folks tend to prefer chat channels like Slack and Discord and Discord, especially for like, especially like gamer or technology or younger audiences. Um, but there's, it's a big topic because, you know, one of the benefits of forums mm. is if somebody goes and asks a question and gets a response, that then becomes knowledge that's documented on the internet and becomes searchable. Whereas you don't have that with a chat channel. But mm. the challenge with the forum is that you don't have that kind of like real-time visceral interactivity. So it's kind of swings and roundabouts. Yeah, okay. And what are you seeing some of the um, – what, what, what are people doing wrong, I suppose, as far as creating communities? There's a few things in my humble view. One is um, I'll, so I'll focus on two first of all. One is that they, and this is going to sound like kind of unusual, is that they don't frame the power dynamic correctly. So in every you know situation, there's a power dynamic, right? Like if you right. go for a job, the person who's hiring usually has all the power in the room. In a community. Typically, the community manager or the developer relations person or whoever is seen as the person with the power. Like they are, they are making the decisions and growing the community, and everybody looks to them for guidance. And it's a flawed power dynamic because it puts all of the responsibility on that person's shoulders. What I say to everybody who is building a community is be frank with your community and say, look, me as this community manager, I'm here to do everything I can to make this a really thriving, engaging, useful, fun place for everybody. But I'm going to level with you. I can't do this alone. If you don't participate, if you don't give me feedback, if you don't shape this with me, I can't be successful. So what that then does is it opens up the tent to your community members knowing that they can shape the tent a little bit. And that's really important. Um, mm. the, sec the second thing is that, um, is that people aren't data-driven enough so you know they'll um throw out a couple of blog posts or do social media or kick off some discussions and then say oh well you know um it didn't really work or it was good but we didn't get what we wanted what we need to do is we need to channel that bloke with the sunglasses in csi miami and basically try to figure out like when you see spikes of something that's going well or when you see something that doesn't go well is identifying what those patterns are right. and then continuing to experiment and try things out because every community is different. Mm. Um, and when we marry the execution that we focus on, the content, the conversations, the carrots to the pain points of your audience, it will, it will vary from, from community to community. So being data driven is really important. I've seen, mm. I've worked with hundreds of companies helping to build communities. I've seen consistently that for the companies that do not set like quarterly targets and goals and and do not evaluate things in a date and driven way they simply don't get the results that they want um, yeah and that's like anything isn't it i suppose yeah um you have to, have to have the goals and then have to be able to measure it as well looking at um i don't know if you, you do this much in your work because obviously helping businesses with their communities and and that engagement and growth piece but um 
What about face-to-face, belly-to-belly, you know, relationships and, and contacts? Do you sort of delve into those areas as well? Because, I mean, we've yeah. we've all seemed to transition and move this way towards creating communities online and, and I, I think it hides people and I don't think it's good for apples having this large yeah. disconnect. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I, I totally agree with you. Um, so two things. One is I think one of the things that, again, like we talked about this a little earlier on, that COVID taught, at least this is what I, I learned from COVID uh, in terms of bu- building communities, is that prior to COVID, online events sucked. They were just terrible. It was the same thing over and over again. It was 45 minutes of somebody droning over a set of slides, a bit of Q&A at the end, and then that's about it. Or a Zoom meeting with a bunch of people where three people are talking and everybody is looking busy but actually doing something else in the browser tab. And they sucked. And I think when um, one of the things that COVID helped us to do was to force us into being more creative with how we run these on kind of online events. So to me, you've either got a completely digital setting like a Slack channel or a Discord channel or a forum, and then you've got in-person. And um, in-person has always been like high energy. Um, when you When you get together with people, different kind of conversations happen. That's great. And I think that's really important. We have to focus on that. Um, but that middle ground of seeing human beings, like, for example, when I run my huddles with my community leadership core group, at the beginning, I say to everybody, webcams on, switch off your notifications. I don't want you to have your camera off because if you, if you have your camera off, you're not present with us. Um, in the same way that we're, the reason why in-person works is because we're present with each other. We're genuinely present. You wouldn't stand there in the middle of a conversation with somebody and be just doing this on your phone. It'd be rude and weird. But we do that in an online setting. Mm. Um, so I think it's reasonable to ask yeah, people to keep their cameras on. Yeah. But if they're going to make that commitment to you, you've got to make the, the, the hour that you're spending with them way more interesting than just a boring old webinar. Um, so I went down the rabbit hole a lot with this. Because when I started out my community leadership call, uh, Accelerator, I wanted to make sure that the hour that we spend with each other every couple of weeks is super engaging. So a lot of experimentation there in terms of like what people, what resonate with people and what doesn't. So. How do you make an online meeting or Zoom meeting or webinar more exciting, exhilarating, interactive? So there's a couple of things that I've learned. One is before the session is send out an email with what you're going to cover and your intentions. Like what say, like, this is what I want to get out of this for everybody. Um, the second thing is the first three minutes are critical with that session is cameras on, um, and have some kind of icebreaker and interactivity that gets people engaging. Um, everybody kind of, you know, with boring old webinars, it's always the same. Where where in the world is everyone connecting from? Not good enough. Try something else that gets people thinking. But do it in a way that works for introverts and extroverts as well, because introverts struggle to to think on the spot typically. So, um, you know, I'll give you an example. I did a session recently with my group, and we talked about burnout. And at the beginning, I shared my experience of burnout in the past. I asked a couple of other people to volunteer, put their hands up if they want to talk about burnout. And then I did a training, which was about seven minutes. And then afterwards, I, I said to everybody, okay, we've all, most, of, most people had experienced burnout. And I had like a separate document using a tool called Coda. And I said, if you have learned something to help you reduce stress, 
go and type it into this, add a, t add a row to this table and add it in there. And within about seven minutes, we had over 50 recommendations. And then I was quiet and I said, okay, I'm going to give everyone two minutes. I'm going to be quiet, go and read it and then go and upvote the ones that are most interesting to you. Um, and that immediately right out, this, right out the gate created a session that was more interactive and engaging rather than just me waffling on about burnout for half an hour or whatever. So Yeah, it's good. And there are probably many easy ways if you think about it, how to, how to do it. And um, it's like the old traditional meetings that you had in, in organizations, you know, never, never enjoyed yeah. them, never really got much out of it. No. Um, and no. they're always just the same, same thing. And uh, I felt like boring. I was just losing time. Yeah. That's the worst thing. You know, it, I think it, I think so much in so many cases to me, like when you get a group of people together, it's, it's an expensive thing. It's an expensive proposition. Like if I, if I get like a hundred people together for a meeting in like a larger group, or if I get 10 people together in a, for a meeting in a larger group, that's an hour of, of every person's time. That's a lot of money being spent. And mm. it's incumbent that the facilitator makes it more valuable than the cost of all of that time aggregated. Yeah. Um, but all too often it's just, oh, it's, we, we're adding value. We're, I'm running, this happens with webinars, right? Oh, I'm going to be providing this awesome free training. So I'm providing the value. It's like, no, 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 no. These people are giving something up to come to your session. You have to make it more than just waffling over slides. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, mate, look, yeah, yeah, great, great information. Anything else you'd like to touch on before we wrap things up here today? No, no, I think um, no? the only thing I would say is I, uh, I just love getting to know people. So if anyone's listening to this and they they want to get in touch they're curious about anything jono at jonobacon.com is my email address you're welcome to drop me a note and um and then communityleadershipcore.com is the website so so that's your, your community leadership core website i'll stick that in the show notes and then jono at jono at jonobacon.com yeah see to remember huh jono pleasure yeah. to have you on again it's good seeing you man thank you yeah. have a great day guys check it out at pinwine.com until next time peace passion and purpose Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there, breathe more passion into every single moment. Do 
everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Manutzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.